and welcome to episode 126 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name's Rod Murray, and if you're familiar with the drinking game we play here on State of the Game, then you might want to set up camp next to the fridge, because what matters on this episode is the ball, the whole ball, and nothing but the ball. I'm going to assume, if you've got us in your ears, that you're aware of the RNA and USGA announcement earlier this week regarding a new local rule for elite amateur and professional events. That new model local rule, as it's called, would see players at that end of the game forced to use a golf ball specifically designed not to fly as far as those on offer today. There'll be no change for the rest of us, but as you can imagine, a decision like this doesn't come without controversy. So let's hook into it. Joining me to dig into the great bifurcation debate are my fellow travellers on this audio adventure from the US, blogger, substacker, analyst, and I think in this instance, fair to say, agitator. It's Jeff Shackelford. Shack, what to unpack with this and what it all might mean. So we've got a little bit of everything, a bit of controversy, a bit of news of the day, and a bit of speculation. It's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it? 126 episodes, and it finally <laughs> has happened. It's a miracle. Yeah, indeed, indeed. From down here in Australia, having caddied Elvis Smiley to a late third-round tea time at the New South Wales Open at Rich River, it's columnist, course architect, and former touring, touring professional Mike Clayton. Clayton, good job yesterday to make sure you had a late late tea time today so that we could record. Yeah, he made some birdies at the end, which was useful. So that was, um, I think we're off kind of sort of the middle of the field, maybe, 25th or something he's running. So we'll see how the weekend goes. He needs to shoot some low scores. They're playing the... All, all of New South Wales, uh, the, all of the New South Wales Golf Association's professional golf is now moved to the country areas. So regional events, regional areas, yeah. Where um, mm. all the difficult courses are in Sydney, would be mm. fair to say. Yep. So the scoring's pretty low. Yeah. But having said that, Elvis is one, is he not? He can go low. It's not beyond him to go yep. 62, 62 uh, and then walk away with the thing. So uh, best yeah. of luck with that over the weekend. Shaq, I'm going to start with you. Can you give us a thumbnail sketch of what was announced? Because I'm on Twitter, as most people are, lots and lots and lots. It seems to me there's a lot of people who haven't read the announcement yeah. that was made properly and don't really understand what's being proposed. Give us a thumbnail sketch and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I noticed some things kind of festering and moving off in directions that make no sense. Almost all of them directly related to things golf pros said, believe it or not, Rod. Uh, Rod. I know it's hard to, I know it's the shocking. Golf pros been talking <laughs> about this, have they? Oh, that's interesting. That yeah. they don't read. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's really very complicated. They've introduced um, a proposal for a local rule that would be enacted in elite competitions. And in those, you would have to play a ball on the conforming list that's tested under different parameters than the parameters for the rest of us. And the, it will be up to the companies to make a ball that gets on that list and uh, up to the players to learn how to adjust to it. Should take them a, a good 15, 20 minutes on a launch monitor. Uh, um, add 10 minutes for whinging and sulking about having for, to do it. For just for the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's right. feel and other things. Yes. And then the other, well, there's going to be several years of whinging and <laughs> whining and based on what I've seen so far. Um, so, and it's really that simple. There will, and, and tournaments then will have the option in 2026 to play this local rule or not play the local rule, the model local rule. And, um, I don't. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Does that sound right? Sounds right to me. But I think where the confusion comes here's a couple of the myths. Some people seem to think that there's going to be a tournament ball. Yeah, that's the one I've seen the but most. Yeah, a ball that all pros yeah. will have to use. They don't understand that all of the manufacturers will still be making those balls, and that players who are contracted to Callaway or Titleist or Srixen, whoever it is, they'll just play the Srixen version 
of that ball. And they're not going to be the same ball as they aren't now. The other one that seems to have taken hold is this notion that people seem to think that members of the the rest of us can't use those golf balls. You can. It'll be an option, won't it? If you want to use the, the ball that goes shorter for whatever strange reason or whatever, you'd be quite free to, assuming that they're going to be available retail. We're, you're right. We're assuming they're going to sell them. And, of course, yes, I, I noticed there were some, some uh, one of the Brandle threads, some historic hysterical stuff about, uh, you know, these will be $500 a dozen to make yeah. up for the – the billions in R and D yeah. and the uh, all the manufacturing costs of setting up a new factory and yeah. <laughs> I mean, just laughable stuff when you know that that there are versions of the Pro V that that oh, nobody can get except tour players and I mean just just ridiculous kind of hysterical stuff. Just on that, Brandel's nonsense about the R and D just ignores the fact that who pays for R and D as it is. The suggestion right. being that that that. <laughs> Titleist altruistically spend all the money on R and D to make balls that go further. Right, they don't right. charge you for that. Come uh, on, you know, it's amazing. That's just childish. It really, Silly. it really is astounding. So yeah, that is, um, and that, and 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 uh, uh, you know, Lawrence Donegan and I talked about it a little bit on the McKellar pod, and, and there's there's a, and I wrote about it in the newsletter. There's a business here potentially with this ball. And and it's why I found the PGA of America statement so offensive where they essentially already spoke for, and I don't know if Clay saw this, but they spoke for the golf courses essentially of the world that they're not going to adopt this. And it's like, no, well, well, wait a second. How many places do we know that uh, have a driving range where they've had to add to the fence because about 20 guys in their club can hit it over it and it puts people in danger on a hole. Uh, well, maybe that club that would like to have a good range ball, a ball that performs well for everybody, um, but doesn't quite go as far, and maybe they don't have to extend the fence again. And uh, Or there could be great old golf courses that go, you know, for our club championship uh we want to play the course like it was designed and we're gonna we're gonna you you need to pick your brand but you guys will buy the ball and you can play it i mean there are all sorts of ways they'll be able to pay for this so just nonsense the idea that there's no business in this ball and especially i mean clates you're out of a tournament i'm curious what you you're hearing but i feel like if this ball is done right by a company that the majority of people won't even know the difference it's the people at a, a super fast clubhead speed that that will will be the ones who can tell the difference it'll uh, perform fine otherwise the irony of the r&d argument is that if they took away all the regulation and allowed them to make a ball that went forever or went as far as you could possibly make a ball go would anyone be complaining would anyone on that side of the argument be complaining about the extra cost of R&D to make the ball go further? No. 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 All worth and it. They're entitled, worth and they are free to do that now, by the way. Yeah, they can. That's right. You can't they use can it in competitions, now. but... You, yeah. yeah. And, yeah I mean, I've always always thought that we should be playing with three balls. There should be a tournament ball. There should be the ball that we play with now that suits regular players. You know, Elvis played with two women in the Pro-Am who, who were hitting three woods from 110 yards away. 120 yards away. Why wouldn't you make a ball that goes as far as possible for for them? Probably right. probably fifty probably fifty percent of people who play the game. I mean, yeah. why are they playing the same ball that Justin Thomas is playing? It's right. Yeah, if it's possible to make a ball go further, for, for make a ball go further because there's a whole bunch of players who could do with it. Yeah, well, hang on. Did you that. write a piece on that? Yeah, I you thought did. you wrote a. I think you uh, wrote that piece. No. Maybe, a, uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> but but you know it's 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 you know when you think about it, it's it's ludicrous that everyone's playing with the same ball when you've got 
players who are flying the ball 350 yards and players who are flying the ball less than 100. Yeah. Yeah. What they need to do there, Clates, is work out like Justin Thomas. That's the difference between ah, them and Justin. They're not doing the workouts and they're not doing right. the fitness. They're the not the superior yeah. athletes as they were. Yeah. I want to I poke a couple of Clates' nerves here, Shaq. What are the numbers that we're talking about? So uh, how far, how much is this reduction in distance going to be? I don't know they're not specific, but there's been some numbers sort of uh, crunched around, hasn't there? Well, they're saying they're going back to the Pro-V somewhere between 2000 and 2010. Is, is that as I understand it, that's about what the ball's going to be and be able to do. So it's still not enough. It's still because no. the horse had bolted by, that's two, what I by 2000. Do. That's what I wanted so, to So they need to go. I mean, I think they should go back to, you know, the way the game was when it was perfectly fine in in the mid 90s or the mid 80s. Yeah, the professional ball era. Yeah. The professional ball. I mean, when the 384 came out, the Titleist 384 came out in 1984. One was amazed at how good that ball was because it was a step forward from the pro trage, which was a you know, when when the rest of the world had to switch to the big ball, we essentially started playing a ball that was designed in America for American conditions. But when you got in the big seaside winds in Britain and Australia, it was really difficult to use. So there was a low trage ball that was pretty good, but the but the 384 was the next sort of step to playing a ball that was better in the wind for players who were playing in, in Around the world on, on courses close to the coast, hmm. so you know that that was a damn good ball, and, and everyone thought it was an, an amazing golf ball. Yeah. You know, to go back to the, I mean, no one's saying let's go back to the the, the way the game was in 1984, but I mean, Titleists have always made innovative products that, that have been great. I mean, there's no question that they're, a, they're an amazing company to stay on top of that. That, that yeah, that's true. You know, game for for hmm. 70 years they've made the best ball, so. I'm not sure why they're worried about losing their market dominance or, or being the best company because they've always been the best company. It's a really interesting question, which we might come back to later. Is that a valid concern? <laughs> which is, and we've talked about this before. I've always wondered why titles in particular are so adamant that there should never be any change. It doesn't make any sense. To well, them. if it's a valid concern, then you would think all the other manufacturers would be in favour of a rollback because it gives them a chance to catch mm. up. Mind you, right. having having said that, I mean, I've always played with a Titleist. I've never played with another golf ball. But it seems like all the companies make awfully good golf balls now. I mean, like Callaway and Taylor made, make pretty good balls and Bridgestone make a good ball. So, you know, it's not like anyone's making a, a, a noticeably inferior product. No, which did used to be the case, didn't it? 40 years ago in the 80s, there were legitimately bad golf balls on offer that you could buy. It's just not the case anymore. You're right. As you say, everything's sort of improved. True of clubs too, cars, everything's like that these days, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I mean everyone's yeah. making good irons. Everyone's yeah. making I – mean, I mean, even Ping make a good driver now. <laughs> we can't. Hat tip to Ping. We won't be coming knocking on your door for sponsorship, yeah. obviously, anytime soon. Um, Shaq, now that's all the simple stuff. And I, what's your take on the way the RNA USGA are going about this? Is this the right way to tackle this problem? It seems to me it's the most pragmatic in terms of pushback and the possibility of being successful, a model local rule rather than some dictate that everybody will now play from now on a rolled back ball. I can't see that that would have necessarily been successful. We may end up there one day, who knows? But this feels to me like a sensible way that they've gone about it. What's your take on on what the, the way they're doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I talked to enough people the last few days who were uh, who who know who understand the technology better than I do, and and the engineering side, and they still all would love to see 
something done with the, the driver face because they feel like that that's um, still an issue and, and still not something that's quite right. Um, but yes, for the most part, I think it's fantastic. I, I, you know, I'm with Clates. I wish it was a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, we've seen a lot of different estimates on the numbers and, and, and we haven't really gotten any sense that the ball will move more, which is a little bit, I'd, I'd like to see what happens there, but three yeah, years, Shaq, three years before it actually comes in. So, right. This is, well, you, hopefully you, sooner, but. You run stuff up the flagpole and then you yeah. tweak it depending on the reaction. Who knows where we might be in three years? It might be a completely different set of specs to what's been announced so far. Yeah, although we discussed it before that, that the parameters they had put out for the study were really pretty extreme when you combine the ball and the driver face. Yeah. And we kind of always knew uh, that they were going to, that was a place to go. And then they were able to walk it back a little bit and they got the feedback and the feedback they were very clear and and mike juan and martin slumbers were fantastic explaining that 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 was the one consistent uh absolute that they kept hearing over and over again don't don't harm the recreational game and and i guess you know the thing that i i understand the problem for them is that they can't really come out and say these people are selling you things that really don't help you <laughs> no. as much as they help the professional. They don't want to say it, but so that's up for us to say. And I think that's what's, again, what's fascinating is the way they've structured this. If it's done right, is there a scenario where uh, they have done this in a way that uh, you know, a nine handicap at a club gets handed this ball in three years and goes out and can't really see much of a difference. And the, 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 his son, let's say that's, uh, just swings hard and hits it forever does get 15, 20 yards, 25 yards knocked off a, a drive. Well, then that almost becomes a ball that a lot of people might end up playing. So, uh, a sort of a backdoor rollback. So I think. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's in the execution, um, but I think it's the cleanest thing. There, I the only thing I think they're a little naive on Rod is uh, the uh, need to mark this ball. I don't trust the manufacturers to package this in a way that makes it clear it's different. If they do, in, <clears throat> in fact, sell it, but it doesn't matter if they don't sell it. I think they're stupid. But at a tournament. Um, I think that ball has to have MLR on it or something that distinguishes it. And they have to mandate that because otherwise you're going to get a situation like that. Stories of a certain famous player used to play the, the British ball on the, on the small ball on the par fives. And, um, you know, it's not up to other players. They shouldn't have to be policing police. equipment. And I think that was always a problem with the driver face or the discussion about the length of the tee. You're just putting other it. players in a brutal position. I mean, yeah, the person on the first tee can check the bag, whatever, at a tournament. But at regional, you know, nobody makes enough money at a regional golf yeah. association uh, in the world to be that kind of a police officer. And so I think a clearly marked uh, demarcation on the ball. And, you know, in return, by the way, these companies get to say, our equipment conforms to USGA and RNA rules, and we know they have research that shows that that's valuable to the customer. Yeah. 
and the customer will not buy something if it's non-conforming. And so I think for the price of getting that little endorsement, they should be forced to mark the ball um, to, to prevent any kind of cheating. But I think uh, that's the only, uh, otherwise I feel like it's a pretty clean, as clean a solution as you can get. And that's why we've always been for a tournament ball because it, for all the reasons they just did it, it just, it just took them so long to come around <laughs> to the way of thinking that we've had, which is what's the big deal that the, the elites play a little different ball. It's just, and not, it's not, it's not as though it's, it's not true bifurcation either because the recreational no. player still has the choice should they want to. So it's not this notion that there's, assuming they two, sell it to find sets of rules. That's right. Yeah. Maybe we'll see the return of the, the double colored ping ball. Clates, that'd define it, wouldn't it? If you see one that's double colored, you know that it's <laughs> that the tournament ball. ball. Is that pink and yellow? Well, and yeah, well, well, there was another famous player who would play in America and drive the ball the same distance as other long hitters, and then go to his home country and magically drive it twenty-five or thirty yards further. <laughs> especially on the par fives. On the par fives, especially. Yeah. And yeah. when he left his bag in the locker rooms, there were never any golf balls in his in his golf <laughs> And how do we know that, Clates? Oh, somebody must have gone to check because we're into the political phase now. Clates, what's your take on the way they're going about it? Um, we know that you're probably a more of a hardliner in the sense that mm. you would have just said, that's it, let's roll it back to 95 and everybody, that's as good as it gets for everybody. But understanding that there's a whole bunch of politics around this is a, an industry valued at a fair few billion dollars globally, you've got to tread somewhat carefully. Do you think it's been a sensible... Yeah, well, I mean, the, the manufacturers are no different from any other lobby group, from the NRA or the gambling lobby in Australia or, or any other lobbying group that's lobbying for what it, you know, its position. And that's fine, but it's, it's clearly the government's role or the administration's role to push back against lobby groups who are selfishly lobbying for what suits them. But, I mean, the politics is, I didn't hear one player at the tournament yesterday even mention the rollback. I mean, half of them wouldn't even know it's happened. But the problem is that it's an American-centric debate and it's and it's only in America, because what most Americans never knew or don't understand was that the rest of the world went through a rollback in 1983 when we were forced to play with the big ball. What when they ruled the small ball out, which was a great decision because if if we if we're still playing with a small ball, it would be ridiculous how far it was going, and it was crazy that the game played with two balls. And it was crazy that. Mm. Jack Nicholas had to go to the Open Championship in Britain with Trevino and all, all the other great players who went there from America and changed balls for a week. So that was com that was completely unsustainable. But without complaint, the rest of the world lost twenty five yards at the, certainly the top level and switched to the big ball. And then was, and it, was it without complaint? Clint, I find that hard. It's well, surely well, some people well, must have. Been. Well, they didn't have Twitter then. That helped. No, true. But yeah, but well, Peter Thompson was a vocal critic, but for the reason that. Why are we blindly following America? Hmm. That was his argument. Um, I don't ever remember a player complaining about it. In fact, I remember David Graham and Greg Norman and you know guys who, who were playing outside, who were either playing in America or wanting to play in America, complaining about having to come back here and switch to the small ball because they were twenty-five yards shorter than the guys who were playing the small ball. So, so, so the tour here, the Open switched in eighty in nineteen seventy-four. The Australian Tour switched in 1978 and, and the amateurs club players switched in 1983 yeah and, and i don't you know so the ball um, and players at the time was that 
there were almost no complaints about losing yardage because it was just, well, this sounds sensible, let's just adopt it, which again was, um, you know, it was a difference in the gun lobby and the rules. When there was a All the the hits today, Clates. (laughs) You're playing all the hits today. (laughs) Yeah. When when there was a gun massacre here in Australia, whenever Port Arthur was, the Prime Minister came out two weeks later and said, we're going to ban the guns. Or, or, you know, there's a gun buyback. And everyone said, that's a good idea, apart from a few farmers. And it was done in a month. I mean, you can't do that in America because, you know, the lobby is so powerful in America. And clearly the the golf ball lobby is so powerful in America that they're always going to kick back at anything that they think is going to hurt their, their, their market position or hurt what they're selling, which is distance. Well, which is and, what people are buying, Clates. That's that's the you know, we can complain about it as much as we want, but they wouldn't be selling it if people didn't buy it either. So there's there's a double edged sort of sword there. Can I just congratulate you too, Clates, your bravery of going on Golf Channel and opening your opening gambit in that segment was this is an American centric debate and that needs to change. I was in abject fear that you were going to bring up the don't take my guns, don't take my thirty yards, no, but th- yeah, thankfully no, yeah, you didn't yeah, uh, in yeah, that form. Yeah. I think. yeah, I thought I'd better not go with that one. Um, <laughs> no, nah, would have been a little much. Yeah, just but, before but, we go on. I know you've told it before, but you were right there for that transition. I think you were the last, yeah. the first player to win the amateur using the big ball. So, talk us about what that was like because there's a lot of golf pros out there who are afraid. I saw there was a little poll from the New South Wales Open. Somebody had gone out and asked a bunch of the players. I think it was Peter Wilson who said, and this is just a complete misconception that oh, he'll be hurt by it. The long blokes will still be long, and he'll be much further behind. There's a real lack of understanding of how this might work. It feels to me amongst pros themselves. Yeah, I don't think they've, many, they've got much of a clue what's going to happen. But, I mean, it was a much bigger change when we changed because we were, we were playing a golf ball that was literally a different size. size yeah. And every shot was different. It was different to chip with. It was different to yeah. putt with. It was much more difficult to use in the wind because it weighed the same. So, so, so it, was, it, was, it was much more difficult to use in the wind. Um, this was a much bigger change that, than rolling back a ball that's essentially going back to a one of the earlier Pro Vs, which when the Pro V came out, everyone was amazed at how, how much further that ball went. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That was a real game changer. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a bunch of people crying about something that's not that important, that's not going to be that much different. And then, of course, we hear this thing that, well, players are so much better now. I mean, mm. you know, how, how, I mean, sure, I see a lot more technically good golf swings on the range, and I, and, I, and I see a lot more long drives and whatever, but you know, how do we really know they're that much better when the equipment is so wildly different than it was in the, the 1980s or 90s? I mean, mm. steel shafted, persimmon headed, 43 inch drivers, no hybrids. The lofted wedge was only coming in. You know, a ball that flies like a rocket that doesn't spin and holds its line in the wind. I mean, sure, the players might be better, but let's see how much better they are if you take them back and give them the, the equipment that Jack Nicholas was using. I mean, are they really that much better? I mean, there are probably more of them. But, but the best players in the game aren't – I don't see that Justin Thomas is any better a player than Lee Trevino was or Tom Weisskopf. No, no. Or Greg and, Norman or, or Chevy Ballesteros. That's right. Tom, Thomas is interesting too, isn't he? Because remember when the, the wind blew last year at Sawgrass, it was just completely out of control. He was, was one fantastic. of the few who yeah. you, you couldn't take your eyes off him. He was playing golf. It wasn't just, oh, club up three clubs. He was managing his spin. And you'd think he'd be one who'd be in favour of making the game well, more difficult. I think he well, did kind of yeah. acknowledge that somewhere in his, his rambling mess of a commentary, Footnote. I think. I mean, what I don't understand is that if you're one of the better players, 
Surely you would want the game to be marginally more difficult to play. It would give you more of an advantage. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. why the – I mean, well, we know why, because the best players are owned by the ball companies and they can't go out and say something they, that the ball companies yeah. don't want them to say anyway. So you, you, know, you, you just can't take seriously what they've got to say. But if, but if I was Justin Thomas, I'd be out there saying, well, I'm one of the best players in the tour. The more difficult the game is to play at this level, the better it is for me. That's right. The more, the more others you rule out. Just to quickly go, there's been a lot of chatter too, Jeff, and uh, I think John Wood, uh, who's proved himself a fabulous on-course commentator, former caddy for, was it Matt Kuchar? Was it yeah. John Wood? Yeah. Um, and uh, also the, Hunter Mayhem. Uh, yeah. Talking about, you know, they shouldn't be changing the ball, they should be changing the driver. That's a much more difficult prospect, isn't it, when you're talking about a recreational global market? It might be easy to change the specs on the driver for the for touring pros, uh, but that's a much bigger deal. A, a golf ball's a $5 consumable item. A driver is a six or $700. You can understand why they steer clear of the driver in that sense. Yeah. And the other thing to, keep, of course, keep in mind, Jeff, as Tom Watson, I think it might have been Sandy Tatum said, we are only governed by the USGA and the RNA by choice. There's yeah. no the, – the tour, the, nobody has to t- adopt what nope. they're doing at all if they don't want to, uh, and they never have had to. So if they're really that serious about it, we did see the chestnut raise its head, the old chestnut of the why are we professionals being governed and dictated to by a bunch yep. of 5 to 15 handicaps. It's offensive, isn't it, that, that line of thinking? Yeah, it's pathetic when you know uh, how much work they put into this research, how much data is involved – how much feedback they took in and made the decision ba- and and altered some of their ideas based on that. Um, it's offensive in that it's all optional, and if they tried to do their own set of rules, they'd be in, they'd they'd make a mockery of the sport. Are they dumb uh, enough? Are they dumb enough with live and everything else going on? Is it possible that they? It dumb seems enough like they consider? are, Rod. I mean, I'm just astounded that they had so much time to prepare for this. And that nobody uh, was able to convey to them the idea that if you are just whining and moaning and you're going to come off as soft and, and narcissistic and just all these terrible things that we don't need that right now. But it just shows you two things. One, how much it's become a player's tour. Um, and that, uh, that, that the players are the spokespeople for the tour, the commissioners nowhere to be seen. Uh, they have Jason Gore now. I don't know who somebody should have been out there taking some of the brunt of this, like other things. Um, and then just h- how much one company probably, but there may be others, but, uh, are in their ears, uh, and they're allowing their players they are so determined to win this battle. They're willing to sully the image of their players. And I, I mean, this event I was at this week. Now, again, these are very serious golf people who know the game, but the consensus was what a bunch of whiny losers. They can't handle 15 yards or 20 yards and they can't adjust. They've got a track man now. They got all these things. And so they're doing horrible damage to these guys uh, at a time when they're already people are already like, gosh, they make a lot of money, and um, but they have so many fanboys sort of in the in the kind of golf media world that will that will just anything they're mad about they'll go, yeah, you know, they just they, they they'll just jump on board and back them, and there is some weird thing going on with uh, uh, brands and being almost wanting to be a grievance brand. Um, 
I don't, it's way too layered for me, but to, to tap into the grievance thing and victimhood, uh, as a way to sell stuff, you know, it's, it's really peculiar for ones that are seemingly well-established and successful and, and, uh, built on tradition and history and, and a certain cachet. So that's a weird element. Um, but yeah, I, I just think they're doing tremendous damage by, by being so sounding so soft and, and, uh, and, and there, I mean, there have been a few, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick's like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see when it, when it comes, I'll test it and I'll let you know. <laughs> and, and then our new, I mean, our, the state of the games, new hero, Brandon Matthews, who I know nothing about, <laughs> um, yeah. just, I mean, where did that come from was just brilliant. And here's apparently the, maybe the fastest speed on the tour, at least based on recorded data, and he's going, yeah, we get that flight maybe again that goes low and goes up, and we might move the ball. And and he, as a long hitter, by the way, understands that if this is done right, he'll actually gain – he didn't say this, but he'll gain a little more advantage. There's a comment from Cameron Chant that's hilarious. Like he, he says, well, it's just going to make the – it's going to give a reward to the long hitters. Well, that's actually a good thing. <laughs> you know, We want people who are legitimately long to stand out versus those who've gotten a boost from the equipment who, who probably shouldn't have gotten quite that much of a boost. That's a good thing. We want, we want, we want to reward that. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing to read the comments. I mean, none of them read any of this stuff. And, and then Jordan speak last one. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And it's funny. They did not post it online. I, you know, and I don't know why, but I know how these things work behind the scenes, and it would not shock me if somebody said, "Hey, hey um, you know, d- don't put that on the internet," because he was just going on with you know some of the titleist talking points. But he just saying, he kept saying, I, "It's just such a surprise. I don't know where this came from." What? You're like you've been on you're, you've been on the player on the pack. <laughs> You're a member of Trinity Forest, where the new USGA president's a member. They've they've been giving you memos about this. It's been in the news and you're, you're talking about how you're surprised. And then he was rambling on. I mean, I started writing it down. It was just, Oh, I mean, he was asserting that with a new ball, that's going to force you to take every club out of your bag and put a whole new club in. Well, number one, most people hear that and go, okay, yeah. well you get it all for free anyway. Yeah. So what's yeah. your problem? But number two, that's just, that's just nonsense. I mean, it's just pure nonsense. Yeah. And you got to track, man. You've got all these things to, to 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 help you adjust and and smart people smart fitters who just know this stuff you know like the back of their hand and give me a break and it's so anyway i'm just fascinated by these brands willing to let their players uh kind of sully themselves for 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 i'm not sure what it's fascinating of course the other thing that the, the one thing in this debate that has no voice is the golf course yeah, and, never. And, um, yeah, the twelfth at Royal Melbourne, which was a which is a four hundred and thirty five meter, so four hundred and eighty yard par five. It has no voice. It can't stand yeah. up and say, "I'm fed up with blokes playing me with a two iron and a wedge, or a, or a three wood and a nine iron. I want to go back to being what Alistair McKenzie intended me to be, and be a driver and a two or a three iron shot." So, so the golf course has no voice. So someone's got to stand up for the voice. And for me, I was thinking about it yesterday. The only people who I think can really have a a balanced perspective of people who understand architecture, yeah. people who understand history, and people who 
understand players and how and, and how the game is played. And if you don't understand those three elements of the debate, then you can't really have a full perspective on it. I think we're down to I, you I, and Ben would, Crenshaw, would, aren't we? It's you and Ben Crenshaw, isn't it, Clayton? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that narrows it down pretty, well, well, pretty well, fast. Well, more than that. But, yeah, when you listen <laughs> to Webb Simpson, who you know tweeted, oh, who, who played Royal Melbourne, that. which is one of the greatest four or five courses in the world, and says, narrow the fairways, mm. make more dog legs, grow more rough, and make the greens smaller. What do you suggest? We ruin one of the greatest courses in the world just to suit you guys? Or fix it, depending yeah. on your, your point of view, Clayton. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I to your point, Clates. I'd add I'd add some knowledge of of how uh, the operation of a golf course works because uh, to that 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 notion, uh, and I when I mention this to people, uh, and I did a few times this week that just in the United States alone, the golf industry is an eighty billion dollar industry, and that includes you know the making of maintenance equipment, uh, resorts. So yeah, there's a lot in that number, hmm. but. But the equipment selling business is is maybe eight billion dollars of that, maybe yeah, if you're yeah, really yeah, being yeah. generous. So it's ten percent of this massive industry, yeah. and and so to your point, the the golf courses, you know, take on the burden of safety issues, or in Webb Simpson's vision, more trees, uh, which then leads to more shade and more difficult maintenance. You know, all these things that, that they take on, and they don't have a voice in this, and that's what the USGA and RNA are. Are trying and still some people and I get it. This is it is more nuanced. They don't understand that golf courses mimic what tournament golf courses do, and it's it's a hard thing to 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 uh, pin down. But you know, for Brandel Shambly to say that he cannot find evidence that that thousands of courses have spent hundreds of millions of dollars uh, adjusting, you know, is just 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 not having a, a conversation with somebody who. Who has to pay the insurance bill at a golf course where balls are going into a, a home that used to never go into that home? Things like that. So, doesn't it also speak to Clates? This is probably improving, but the lack of understanding of so many people within golf itself, including some players, of the importance of the golf course in the competition itself. Golf is unique in that way. Tennis courts are tennis courts, but golf courses are not. They are an integral part of the they're the hundred and fifty sixth player in every yeah. field. And but a lot Rod, of golfers would, just don't accept that or don't understand but, that. Rod, wouldn't you say that, I mean, I think we're all in agreement, even since we started this show, more people love architecture Def and are interested in it. And they're interested in it more because they've seen that in a tournament, that role the yeah. course has played to make a tournament better. And, you know, some of us help point it out, but it, you just have to watch a, yeah. a, a great tournament play out on a great golf course with an incredible finish and the players getting to shine to know how important the design is. And I think that's a, why we have more people in agreement with us <laughs> since, well, since we started yeah. ranting and raving about all this. And then clearly an architect is surely entitled to build a 480-yard par four and have it be a test of a drive in the middle of a long line. And a 480 yard par four now, unless it's into the wind or the you know the ground conditions are soft, it's essentially a drive in some sort of short iron. And it, you know, how do you make a hole that tests a drive a drive in a long iron? And surely that's one of the most thrilling shots in the game is a great long iron shot. Was was the U.S. Open at Wingfoot more interesting when Halo and hit a two iron to the 18th green, Greg Norman hit a six iron, or Jeff Ogilvie hit a nine iron? Clearly, 
the one shot, well, apart from Greg's shot into the grandstand, the, the, the one shot that was clearly the most brilliant shot was Irwin's two-iron. It was a phenomenal shot. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't understand why we, why all this great athlete stuff. Well, if you're a great athlete, you can rip a two-iron under the pressure of winning the US Open onto a tiny green, like hit it straight at the flag. I mean, surely that's more that's more impressive than bombing a modern driver 320 yards. I mean, well, way more impressive because it's yeah, way more, more difficult to do. But was it more entertaining than what Mickelson did on that hole? So, so the que- so the question is, and we've yeah. talked about this before: is professional golf merely entertainment, or is it more important that we're probably in a camp that thinks it's more important than that? But I suspect the PGA Tour doesn't see it as any more than that, just entertainment. And you'd have to say more well, people watched Mickelson's train wreck and thought that was entertaining. Lots of people would have yeah. watched Taylor Irwin's two on and gone, "Well, of course he didn't agree. He's a professional. That's what he should do." So there's something in there too that I think. Is a bit well, we've seen it this week, and the response is what the uh, the definition of entertaining is, what Clates just described. Uh, and when you go to a tournament, when you, you know the thing that really makes people make sounds and ooh and ah are, are amazing recovery shots, spin, the ball moving. And this week, what we got from players was the most entertaining thing they do in the game is is bombing a tee shot. And I had that conversation, that argument with Jay Monahan five years ago. And I just said, well, then why are you, why are all these grandstands up around the greens? Why aren't they around the tees? Why aren't we, Ooh, why aren't we marking yardages <laughs> in the fairway and, and having a video screen on the tee to let people know because I can't see where the ball finishes because it's so far away. Yeah. Why are we letting them know if that's the most entertaining thing? Well, because it's not, because the thing that we really see where they differentiate themselves are those recovery shots, are those shots around the greens, are the when you see the ball take two bounces and stop, where they control it in a way that we can't. And so we that you saw it, I'm sure this week, all these guys saying that that's the most entertaining thing they do. People want to see it. The game's in a great place. You're ruined. Anybody who doubts what you're saying there, just go and look up. And I've done it every year, I suspect, on the YouTube channel. The PGA Tour is top ten moments or top ten shots of the year. There won't be a tee shot in there. No tee shots, unless it's be driving a, single, a par four. Dustin yeah. Johnson, who or played the, the greatest shot in history, perhaps, that one might make it from Hawaii from a few years ago. Yeah, but right, from, but that's because he could hit the ball. <laughs> yeah, but it was the greatest shot in history, Jeff. So you know, Well, it was expect, a great shot. There was no doubt about that. But, some, um, but but by the way, what all, back to that topic, what makes Augusta the most uh, exciting tournament of the year and, and what made that shot extra cool is watching the ball on the ground on the and ground, use that exactly. contour and feed down. What do we love at Augusta? When the ball in 16, they, we, it hits the spot and feeds down. And you know, as a and, and, as right, soon as it hits, we know you the know. Course. That's right. But that's yeah. entertaining because there's 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 excitement and there's a, but you also know the player knew what he was doing to put it in that spot. And we and the mm. fan knows control versus luck. Uh, so it's just uh, it was exhausting to read all that. Um, uh, stupidity on on the idea that we uh, we love all that, and like you say, yeah, the the the, the best shots of the year, none of them are tee shots yeah, unless it's some miraculous miraculous play. Bryson going across the water, Dustin yes, that was like exciting, a, yeah. no question. But that's also because the equipment allowed him to carry the ball at an uh, an unbelievable distance, <laughs> and because he's an amazing oh, athlete. and his workout <laughs> yeah. team, uh, that that he's now abandoned. Yeah. Uh, Regimen, excuse me, well, he's got, regime. Regimen that he's now, yeah, shelved and he's dropped fifty pounds. Well, he's an actor now, Jack. Have you not seen the videos? They're all actors now. They're doing man. Yeah, I stuff know. They're entertainers. Yeah, yeah. Clay, content you're at, creators. You're at a <laughs> professional tournament 
this week, and you've been at a few of them this summer, caddying for Elvis. Yeah. What do you hear from the crowd? What do real golfers think? I'm not sure we're necessarily always in touch with them either because I think we think about the game differently and more than perhaps most people who might have an interest in the game. Have you got many crowds out there? And what do you hear from the crowds about? What makes them go ooh and ah? Is it when Elvis wallops one 320 metres? Uh, well, you don't, there aren't many crowds this week, but I mean, Australian crowds are fundamentally and, and British crowds are fundamentally different from American crowds where American crowds are more enamoured with guys smashing the ball and perhaps a long drive. But Australians just come and watch golf and want to see good golf. And and I think that, I mean, the few people that watched this yesterday, the, the Josh Armstrong kid we played with, he had two drives I measured and were 365 metres off the tee. I mean, it was marginally downwind on two par five, so 390 yards. He hit one into the wind off 18 yesterday, 350 metres. But no one's around the tee going, well, that's unbelievable because it – you know, it doesn't. What so far? Yeah. Well, well, one, they can't see it. Yeah, that's two, what I mean. And, and two, it it doesn't look any more impressive than Greg Norman looked when he was. I mean, no one could believe how far Norman hit it when he came out in the Australian tour. He smashed it, and he was hitting it. What he was averaging two hundred eighty-seven yards on the PJ tour, but Greg had a lot of drives longer than that, but nowhere near as far as this kid was hitting it. And people were in, were in awe of how far Greg hit it. So it's just a. It's just a long drive, but whether it goes 300, 300 yards or 350 doesn't make any difference to someone back on the tee. They can't tell how far it's gone. No, so, right. so I think Australians as a, a pretty sophisticated golf-watching market like watching the Open at Kingston Heath in Victoria this year when it's windy and the greens are hard, and they like watching players hit cool-looking iron shots to bounce and run up close to the flags. That's what... Australian galleries, I think, like, and that's what certainly what Scottish galleries and, and British galleries enjoy at the Open. Yeah, and in fairness, lots more Americans sitting at home watching on TV. The Sandbelt Golf really goes off in America, doesn't it, Clay, uh, Shaq? Anytime there's a tournament at the Sandbelt, people in America have got their TVs on late at night watching it closely, and they they love the look and the way the courses play down here. I think there's a, there's more education in the American market than there used to be. It's just such a big market, but, and you know the thing about. You know, it only affects a tiny group of players. Well, that's true. But, you know, when they built Kingston Heath in 1930, it was 6,830 yards long. So it was a phenomenally long golf course. If they were just building courses for the majority of people who played golf, that would have made them all 6,200 yards. But the greatest courses were designed to test the best players in the game. And sure, this only affects a small number of players, but it affects all the great courses around the world that were built to test the one or two percent of players and and, and show off their skills so the open championship the u.s open the majors around the world the australian open those courses were clearly designed to test a small group of players not the majority they're an incredibly influential group aren't they that's that's the they might might be small but they're the most influential golfers by far yeah their impact is far greater than their number and you know ultimately that group that small group of players what attracted not everybody to the game, but a lot of people are attracted to the game because of the way the best players play it. You know, so a 6,800 yard course in 1930 was phenomenally long. That course is now, I mean, we moved tees back at probably 12 holes at Kingston Heath, 10 or 12 holes. Course is now 7,350 yards and it's short. It's a short golf course now. So it's 500 yards longer than it was a century ago. It's gone from being one of the longest courses in the world to just a short 
short golf course in terms of how it plays for championship players. And of course, the members never play off the tees we build because no. they don't want to play back there. The ones who pay for it never actually get to play off the tees. Well, and haven't they left a lot of vegetation in place that probably would go if it wasn't for the desire to kind of the way Inverness used to be to to, to sort of put a scare into the, the, the super long drive? I mean, I haven't been there since 2011, but... I remember there was a, there were a lot of things that were it appeared to be uh, kind of left that sort of to to discourage it, the super bombing. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what's that lower growing shrubbery shrubbery kind of tea tree, tea tree, chunky yeah. Th- tea, yeah, those tea yeah, tree, yeah, those neat. Junk, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, they're junk. horrible. They're horrible, horrible yeah. stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean it's a different subject, but the worst thing about tea tree is it wasn't indigenous and it smothered all the beautiful heathland plants that were there before that. Right, people think that people too, think but, te- people think tea tree belongs, but there are a few holes that. Kingston East, like the 16th over the hill through the fairway at 11, there's tea tree. There are a couple of holes where it's really strategically pretty important. But is, it, is it, it important because that's what Alan, Alistair McKenzie had in mind or because of the way the game's played? No, because of the way the game's played. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because it hems the longer player in. That that's what I, that's my point, yeah. which is yeah. things like yeah. that. But that but what does that do for the enjoyment of the average members uh golf there? Nothing, right? I mean it just well, well, they just causes lose them their, lost balls. Yeah, they, they lose their ball in there. Yeah, that's my point, I and mean, that's the way Inverness used to be. Like, well, they had these Christmas trees, these low-growing things to kind of stifle power, and all it did was make the average person miserable. And by the way, Rod, that's the other thing I I've been really fascinated by. And you guys know you read my book ages ago on Future of Golf, and I I was really I thought it was essential we kept that connection between the pro game and the everyday game that maybe we were only a club behind the the, mm. the pro on a part three well that ship has sailed oh yeah and the game is still doing okay and i so that's why that argument this week uh has been fascinating to me and how many people who who don't even follow the 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 subject that closely or and, and i've i've just i mean i heard it so much oh i i i don't play the same thing they play i don't get the same thing they get I don't get the free clubs they get. I don't get the options. Like, uh, give me a so that unification argument that a certain company's pushing uh, is not really landing with as many people as I would have thought. Well, the, the fact they haven't bifurcated the game means that the game's never been further apart. Yeah, in terms yeah. of how far the average, <laughs> in terms of how far the average play hits it, mm. versus how far the you know the pro hits it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I caddy for Elvis this week, and we you know, we had a couple of hundred and. The ninety yard shots, and I'm thinking, is this a seven iron or an eight iron? I'm thinking this is a three or four iron <laughs> yes. for me. I'm, a, I'm not even close to, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. Which is the other thing people don't talk about is how much further irons go. Yeah, it's staggering mm. how far these guys hit the irons now. Yeah. And sure, the sure the lofts are different. Oh, they're fudging they're not, the lofts, aren't they? They're fudging. Yeah, but they're, yeah. But they're not two clubs different. I, you know, there was an argument on Twitter yesterday. Well, you know, about Nicholas's five iron into the 18th at Augusta in 1986. And some guy came, well, it's really a seven iron. No, it was a 30-degree club. There is no seven iron in a pros bag that's a 30-degree club. So maybe it was one club, but certainly not two clubs. An argument on Twitter, you say, Clayton. Are you sure? Doesn't sound right. Argument yeah, an argument on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, that, that same day, 1986, Nicholas hit a five iron to the 16th hole. Yeah. That's, an eight, that's an eight iron now. Yeah. Didn't he hit? Uh, wasn't that that great conversation on the in the fairway on fifteen where he he says to Gary, you know, 
what would three do here? And Gary says, oh, I think it'd be a bit long. Jack, no, yeah. 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 No, yeah, what if yeah. I make three here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a beautiful moment in it between a father and a son um, just there. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. We have, of course, had as well, Shaq, and we don't want to keep going over the same ground, but all of the – it's not difficult, narrow the fairways, oh, put, yeah, in, yeah. put in bunkers at 300. Uh, for those who might not be familiar, just explain the difference, difference between hard and good golf. Well, that that's what I think is lost in, in this discussion that, to Clay's point earlier, that you need to know a little something about architecture is that uh, – uh, it's, it's, it, you really have to go through a hole and look at some of the details and take someone through it and say, now, you know, you take, and I'm going to do that. Actually, I've got the sixth hole at LA country club is next on my list. And, and if you, you, you make that hole, you can't make it 20 yards longer, but if you take 20 yards off their tee shot, uh, what's now essentially a par three as a, uh, instead of a, a, a true drivable par four that has options, it's a par three now, like the 10th of Riviera. The difference in the way that makes that hole interesting and the options is just, it's just night and day. And that 20 yards would be huge there. I mean, suddenly a guy comes up to the tee and it's, he has to hit a 320. Uh, absolutely just right to drive the green. Now, 300, it's a lot of the guys will hit a three-wood in the U.S. Open, and there might even be guys that do something less. Um, and so you have to kind of – it's hard to explain to people what this has done to take away interest and, and how hard it is to design for this in a way that is interesting for a lot of different people um, and gets accomplishes that thing that McKenzie – and George Thomas and Donald Ross and all of them wrote about, which is that creating that kind of hole where if you just take the, you know, you can take a little longer route and and not get beat up and make your bogey and move along, or you maybe you make a par putt and you and that that good player who tries to get cute and take take the aggressive route uh, either is rewarded or they get burned for not pulling off the shots. Well, now the distance is just so dwarf any of that kind of uh that variability and and the nuance that it just it's just impossible to design without making things really long so i mean it varies on different kinds of holes but the point is it's just really hard to design interesting holes when uh not only are they hitting it longer but it's it's it keeps going it's not yeah. just you know locked in place everything changes one of those holes is of course the 13th at augusta national we know there's been work done there it's longer we've had a few of the players now have seen it we've got a yeah. bit of a clue as to what might happen i think rory said he hit five iron in there tony Finau suggested that'd probably be the club of choice for the second shot and in that sort of distance range there'll probably be some players lay up for those who perhaps don't understand why this is a talking point, one of the great moments in golf came at that very hole in 96, didn't it, Jeff? And I know you've written about this extensively. I think you might have even made a little video documentary about it for the Golf Channel at one time. Yeah. In the last round there, Faldo standing on that fairway with the ball four and a half feet above his feet, trying to decide between a two-iron and a five-wood. You would remember it too, Clates. It was some of the most captivating golf, while nobody was swinging a club, imaginable. And funny, a, a friend of mine spoke to Faldo about that, and he said, "What the reason he took so long?" He said, "I knew if I hit the ball on the green, I was going to win the tournament." It was the he, shot, and he said, 
all I could see with a two iron was a low skank into the creek on the right. <laughs> and all I could see with a five wood was a high block into the creek on the right. I just couldn't see the shot. And I stood there forever. And, I, and he said, I finally said, Nick, you've got to hit this shot. He said, it was the best shot I ever hit in my life. But all I could see was the ball going in the creek. So, <laughs> which is more of a commentary on people assuming that there was this steel trap mind who logically went through the, the options and executed the perfect shot with no nerves. Yeah. Promise you he was shitting himself hitting that shot. Yeah. yeah. You know. And he, when we did the thing with him with golf channel, we filmed him, uh, watching it and mm. they couldn't air it because I, so I don't even know why we shot it, but anyway, it was fantastic. It's in the archives. Mm. Uh, and as he got older, he started to claim it was, oh, I could get there with either club. That wasn't the problem. It was the way the club sat on the ground. And I, I never really, I, I never really believed him on that. Um, yeah. there's no way you're, you're, you're showing the consternation that he showed over the way the, the club sat on the ground that the, uh, uh, sorry, Nick, I, I'm not buying it. I, you know, I, I love, I love, I love what you took us through. Cause he, I mean, we put the, the, the sound in his ear and he was kind of talking to Ken Venturi. Um, but you're right that, that dilemma, and it'll happen this year, hopefully. Yeah. And there will be a lot more layups this year and there will be people who complain, uh, oh, they've taken the excitement out of it. And I'm actually going to write a piece uh, about this that, no, laying up is um, uh, is a good thing uh, to see more of that because that that means we're we're getting more to where the long hitter is actually rewarded for hitting that fairway and drawing it and all that good stuff, and is um, is is kind of restoring what we want in the hole. And maybe we'll get a moment like that where somebody is really in between, and and uh, that's that's exciting. <laughs> and aside from Mickelson's shot out of the trees. All the memorable shots, well, not all the memorable, but but most of the memorable shots on that hole were, you know, Palmer's three wood in 1958 and Freddie Couples' oh baby shot in yeah, whatever that he was and you know, Faldo's shot with a two on and, you know, Watson hitting Woods in there and Se Seve hitting, well, Seve dumping the three on in the creek and Seve hitting that great shot in 86 with a three on. And so so many of the memorable moments on that hole were with long irons. And you go two holes later and, you know, arguably the greatest shot hit there was the one Nicholas hit in 975, that one iron with that tiny headed McGregor one iron. You know, he flew that thing to, you know, what a phenomenal shot that was. I mean, ball, yeah. would you rather watch that or Sergio hitting an eight iron to the green? I mean, come well, on. I want to you know? see Rory hit a one iron to that green. That's yeah. what I want to see. Yeah. We're never going to see it, but, and I think Rory should want to hit a one iron to that green. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think he probably would. He, he, you know, that's the challenge, is it not? Well, and, and golfers who even argue against this stuff and you know don't want the ball to change and that sort of stuff, when you put them in that moment and they're watching those things, they understand the difference between a three iron and a five iron, you know, and a, a six iron and a four iron. They understand it intuitively in the moment when it's happening, but they can't seem to zoom out to the bigger picture and understand that if the ball goes shorter, we get to see more of that. It's uh, sorry, Jeff. I cut you off. Well, no, on, on that point, that's a great point, and I'm curious what Clates thinks because I'm I'm fascinated by this player reaction. Uh, that, that how few players uh, want the challenge and want to play the course somewhat as it was designed, or to experience the nuances of uh, and the difficult decisions. Uh, Clates, is this a generational thing or, or would every era have been kind of on the defensive like this and sort of uh, uh, kind of having this this knee-jerk reaction? Because it seems to me like the all-time great players 
want to play the course somewhat like their predecessors and want to experience the same challenges and know that having those helps them separate themselves. That's why Justin Thomas or Spieth are kind of like, to me, just so disappointing, knowing their perspective of history and, and their talents and all that. Yeah, well, you wonder if they have any perspective of history, but yeah, you know, they've, they've certainly got no logical perspective on the architecture. I mean, what what you know? Do you not think the golf course should ask a wide variety of questions? And should an architect be able to build a four hundred and eighty out hole that tests a driver in a three iron? And there is only one answer to those questions because you can't keep you can't be forced to build a five hundred and eighty out hole to ask a question of a driver in a three iron. I mean, it's just ludicrously out of scale to be expecting golf courses to ask that question of a hole that's 100 yards longer than it used to be. So, so and unwilling to pay for it. Um, of course. You know, yeah. You know. So, so it's you know, it's just they don't show any nuance or understanding of the architecture or what it's about. And you don't have ex- – I don't expect Justin Thomas to have read The Spirit of St. Andrews or Thomas's book or Simpson Weatherwood's book. But, you know – you have to you have to have some understanding of what those guys wrote about and thought about and built and how they thought the game should be played and you, and it's no good to say why well, they're just relics of a century ago they're not relevant i mean they're some of the greatest minds ever yeah. in the game and and they built i mean all those i mean i'm sure to pick on jordan and justin they would all claim to love playing classic golf courses well oh, here were the, you know so so here were thomas and ross and tilling aston mckenzie and Hot Colt, who left us one of the greatest golf courses ever made. Yeah. So, so why wouldn't you at least have some respect for how those men wanted those courses to play and the questions they wanted asked and answered? I mean, I just don't understand why there's just it's, no respect for what they wanted. And, and, and it's the same for the manufacturers. You know, do Titleist think it's important that golf courses ask a nuanced set of questions, or is their job no. just to make, or is their job just to make the ball go four hundred yards? No, the job is just to sell the ball. The easiest sell is the ball to go 400 yards. (laughs) In all honesty, what this really comes down to in terms of the manufacturers and being idiot is just laziness on their part. They don't want to market something different. They don't have to think. They know that distance is a guaranteed seller. People will buy it. Well, and and has been forever. Of course it it has. That's right. I get it. Yeah, the the first flight companies out in Golf Digest in 1968, you know, will force, will, will first flight force. America to change golf courses. Yeah, I mean they've, they've been selling it for sixty years. Probably longer, hundred years. Probably. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my, oh, even longer than that. I mean, it's it's been it's been around for as long as the game itself. Interesting on that, Clates, about that. You know, Justin and Jordan haven't read Spirit of St Andrews and whatnot. This is true for all golfers. I wonder whether it's not such a good idea for professional golfers. For most people I know who've begun to take an interest in architecture long after they took up golf, it's added to their enjoyment of the game. And for most of them has made them a better player. But is that necessarily true if you're a professional golfer? Mm. Is it is it a good thing to be Jeff Ogilvie critiquing the golf course you're playing while you're trying to play a professional tournament? No, it's a horrible thing because you play so many average golf courses. It, it just drives you nuts if you start moaning about, you know, why is that bunker there? Why is that badly shaped? And why is that green over there? And why isn't it angled that way? And what what's the point of this hole? And you just go nuts if you complain about golf courses. Completely nuts. And, and, and in America, you would go nuts about constantly having to chip the ball out of long grass. I mean, certainly for a guy like Jeff or yeah. me, you know, who've grown up on the sand belt and seen how difficult 
shots off short grass can be. Going to the United States and having to just chip the ball out of long grass all day is pretty tiring and pretty boring and not very interesting. So, so if you started complaining about that, you could be, you'd be complaining pretty much every week, except when they went to Trinity Forest and there was no short long grass, and they complained like hell about I a golf hated course. It. Hated it. Hated it. I mean, like I, that either. I mean, I thought Trinity Forest is a tremendous golf course. I thought well, Bill and really, I it, may it's it may be one of their very best. You know, accomplishments I, I with a did, you know not great piece of property. Yeah, I thought okay. they did, I thought I thought I thought it was an amazing golf course, and all you yeah, heard about so cool. This, this course is terrible. So it yeah. shows how clueless those guys are. Oh, they're clueless. 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 I mean, clueless. Yeah. It found well, and and of them, to you, just quickly on this point, that's where Nicholas is so brilliant that he 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 knew architecture, but and but what would he do, Rod? He's talked about it. He would he would. uh if he was bored, if they were slow or something, he would think about how he'd redesign the hole, but then he'd compartmentalize that, put it aside, and then he'd, yeah. he'd focus in on the shot. He'd be Jack. <laughs> Not many people can do that. That's a that's a real gift. That's why he's different. And oh, you know, Ben Crenshaw's yeah. done that, did it really well in his yeah. career too. Obviously yeah. not to the level of Jack, but I mean, knowing what Ben knows about architecture, I've always been impressed how well he's able to 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 put aside like what is this pile of junk I'm playing and yeah. play play golf. Yeah, in fact, the 17th hole yesterday was a drivable par four with water on the left. And actually quite a good hole. And Elvis, we walked off the tent and he said, How would you redesign this hole to make it better? I was like, well, that's an interesting question. Yeah. You know, so, so at least he you know he's a 20-year-old kid who's thinking about how would you make this hole better? And what did you say to him? That's got nothing to do with you, son. You've got a T-shirt here on 18. Concentrate on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, leave, the, the leave the goal, architecture to me. Ride, monkey, ride. Yeah. This is your job. <laughs> well, the irony was, for them, the hole would be more interesting if the tee was 20 yards further back because yeah. the cape sort of carry on the water would have made which part of the water they went across more relevant. And, of course, Armstrong, the hole was like 350, 40 yards probably. Armstrong flew it onto the green, just took a drive and just flew it onto the green. It was marginally into the wind, flew it onto the green. Like the, like the members staying behind the tee couldn't believe it. Because they'd never seen anyone, you know, they'd duck hooking in the water. This thing, just, it was like, wow, it's an amazing shot. Can he play aside from that? I'm not being facetious. Like, no, he's actually. Has he got the other he's, tools? He's, pretty, he's actually pretty good. But for all the shots, he shot 65 yesterday. But for all the shots he hit, the most impressive shot was, it was, it was an angled green from left to right with a back right flag on the first day. And the safe shot was what Elvis did, which was hit it 30 feet left and putt across the green, hit this beautiful low fade back back into the back right pin. It was a, it was a beautiful – I mean, sure, he could have hit a high, a high fade, might have been a, a, even more ideal, but it was a beautifully shaped shot into the wind, cutting from left to right, landed about five foot from the hole and finished up 10 feet behind it. It was by far the most impressive shot he hit, and it was with a five iron. By that's far a, the most impressive shot he hit. That's a name to remember then, isn't it? If he's got that sort of power off the tee and that sort of potential with the irons and that sort of imagination and the ability to execute, that's a name that you want to mm. watch out. Was it Josh Armstrong? Yeah. Heard a few pros but, had a rap on him. But um, he's built like a man yeah. mouth. I mean, he's six foot eight. I mean, uh, And that's the other thing with the game is that, you know, longer, lighter shafts have meant taller men can play the game more easily. Now George Archer had to bend his knees six inches to get down to it with a 43-inch driver. So – you know, the clubs are lighter, the clubs are longer, the clubs are much more usable for big guys. So it, clearly if they don't roll the ball back, within 10 years, Josh Armstrong is the freak on this tour. Yeah, he'll be the norm. You know, Bryson's the freak on the on the live tour and, you know, 
Rory's the freak on the PGA Tour. Nothing sure than history tells you that the freak in one generation has always become the norm in the next. Yeah. So if they don't do it now, what what, what is the game look like in 20 years? Yeah. When yeah, everyone's this- as long as Rory McIlroy. Who's, who's got the 50-year plan for the game? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? And it sounds like the USGA and the RNA maybe have started with that as a notion of uh, – I think it was Slumbers who said, did he not, Jeff? It, we're, not doing, we're not doing this for now. We're doing this for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Uh, yeah, Juan mentioned that. At least I heard him say it on, on the uh, – he was on the No Laying Up podcast, and uh, he talked about that and that this is – this is only, he pretty much said – this is just a sort of a almost a stopgap temporary thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating to see how he's gone from being somebody who was in the manufacturing community as a marketing person, uh, LPGA, and not really believing this is an issue to really selling it quite well, and and uh, also clearly having taken in all the 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 opinions and the data and saying things like that that this is we're going to have to kind of keep on this this is this is going to this will be this will help for a while but it won't fully address uh where things go uh i mean I, the only thing i would say in, in disagreement with with his, their rollout and in his, his thoughts and my disappointment at it and, and i talked with a with a guy i used to take lessons from when i was a junior he's one of the great people here in Southern California and, and talking about different players and the way the game's played. And he was kind of pushing back uh, at me on the notion of of uh, what I feel like is the one thing they haven't talked about in this rollout, which is do we want the game to be something where people are swinging so hard and where power is, is a thing uh, to the point where you have people believing if you're a certain height, you're, you're not going to be a great golfer. And he initially just didn't agree with me. And then he, then I mentioned to him that I hear how certain parents get told, Oh, you're lucky your kid's tall. And, and he said, well, yeah, I've heard some of the, the Korean parents trying to get steroids to their kids to get them Jesus. bigger. And I'm like, well, that would be an example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so does this, does this maybe put a, is this enough to, to, to say to people, well, there's going to be more to the game than just power. That that somebody can be competitive coming up today. That's Luke Donald's style of play and body type and overall ability. Because right now you'd say, well, no. But when I mean Luke Donald got to number one in the world and was a great player for about five six years, not hitting it very far, and and uh, but being a great iron player and and so. To me, that's the one thing I don't know why they don't want to take that on. That we we don't want to raise, we don't want to make golf this this bomb thing that where there are more injuries and you have to be a certain strength and power. That's that's it's, and I don't know why. I don't know there's why a, they don't want to. There's enough well, well, bashing it, sports, yeah. isn't well, there, Jeff? There's plenty of bashing sports. We don't need another bashing sport. Right, golf exactly. Be- that's the beauty of golf. That that that, that it's different body types and sizes and personalities, and <laughs> and that's fun. That's interesting, and and especially in a world where where we have now we know about CTE and things like that. Which was the stupidity about Thomas's mile argument, or the or the argument about the hundred meter track. You know, they're making that longer because people are running faster. Well, you know, a 100-meter track is not a piece of architecture. No. It's just designed right. to how fast can you run? Well, golf is a much more nuanced sport 
that shows off a wider, a much wider variety of skills than how fast you can move your legs over 100 metres. I mean, you know, it's interesting, but it's interesting well, you know, for five seconds or 10 seconds and then, you know. Right. It's not that five that's it. five <laughs> seconds would be good, Clates. We would have really made some advancements if they're doing it in five seconds. I don't think we're down to there yet. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, uh, yeah. no. with the 100 metres, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Quick, some I, quick speculation before we wrap up. Uh, what does this mean? How far does Josh Armstrong hit it in 2026 with the new ball, Clate, uh, Shaq? I don't know. What do you think, Clates? I mean, I, I that's what I don't understand in the numbers yet, and wanting to know what. So he's hitting what, it nearly four hundred. Well, well, so, well, yeah, well, 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 well the, what's the, it going to take off a drive like his? Well, the funniest thing was it was it was the tiniest of wins yesterday at the second hole, and he had a little cut down there, and he and he assumed it was going to carry the bunker, and it flew into the face of the bunker. It actually plugged, made his only bogey, and he said, "Shit, that went nowhere." And I put the range. <laughs> I, I, I put the range on. <laughs> I put the rangefinder on it, 277 metres. So 300, it flew 300 yards, and he said, that went nowhere. Went he couldn't nowhere. believe oh. it. I was like, so, so he's going to hit, he'll, he'll easily be over 300 yards with the new ball. I mean, so statistics. Of carry, of carry, yeah. on a good drive, yeah. right. He'll still yeah. be over, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, statistically, he's still longer than Greg Norman was. I mean, the ludicrous thing is now, and, and, and I don't believe the numbers, but if you look at the numbers, there are three or four or five players on the LPGA Tour who averaged longer than Greg Norman did on the PGA Tour in 1987. Yeah. That shows you how ridiculous it is. Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, indeed. Which brings me neatly to, I've not heard a lot of chatter about it, uh, Shaq. Any, is there any indication as to whether the LPGA and women's tours would be adopting this ball or no? No, up the to, LPGA them, statement but. was essentially, uh, it was a kind of a word salad, which I think, you know, by the, by the end of the week here now that we've had, and I'm glad we're doing this after we've gotten all the commentary, I kind of welcome the word salad statements because we're years away from this. Let's see, let's just see, okay? The, the, the idea that some of these organizations just put their foot down and, ah, this is going to be no good. And um, But it was interesting on the call I noticed, you know, Juan just said, oh, that's going to be up to them. It's optional. Uh, Slumbers was, I thought it was the one thing that really caught me off guard was pretty uh, 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 clear that he didn't see them uh, employing that in the women's open. And I I just thought that was a mistake because we're a few years away. We're starting to see some of the same trends in the women's game. And again, let's see the ball. There's a very good chance this this ball may not have an impact on those clubhead speeds and therefore well then if that's the case then the women the women should play the ball just as a as a as a credibility yeah. uh thing and but i i'm i see where the game's going and where some of the women hit it and yeah. they're they're it's happening there too and 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 same thing we don't want the women's game just like we don't want the men's game to become a an arms race in terms of who's who's uh, tallest, strongest, and all that. So, well, I, you know, I think it's better to keep an open mind. But yeah, I, I but I was surprised that that he ruled that out while he was very clear slumbers that 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 they're going to see it. At the, they're already seeing it at the boys' level, and uh, and we know that. And um, yeah. women so, are yeah, elite players; was, they should have to play with elite. The elite exactly. That, 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 exactly. That'd be my take. Yeah, otherwise, you sort of dissing them. Um, you can always put T's a little bit forward too, if for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, Wilshire, the women are playing Wilshire all the way back. Uh, so you know they're not playing the they're not playing 
they're they're that they're, they're playing at a, a great old golf course maxed out uh so and then three years from now i have a feeling they'll they'll probably uh want to do this to, to to keep certain courses relevant oh pardon me last thing for me for both of you start with you first clades if you live what do you do do you take on the new ball or not uh i don't think live will be here in 2020 2026 so don't think that matters but you know if you live, you of course you take on the new ball. Oh, okay. I think I'm kind of thinking the opposite, because it's kind of important. We're now at a position, Shaq, and this has only struck me in the last week or two. Kind of the big danger now is that live does go away, because if you thought the PGA Tour behaved monstrously in the past, if they right. win, quote unquote, this one, they will be unbearable. They will feel yeah. that they are beyond threat. So if you thought they were bad before, <laughs> wait till Liv's gone yeah. if that's yeah. the outcome. Although everything they're doing in reaction to Liv is shockingly short-sighted and oh, not very horrific. smart for the long-term health of their tour, much less other tours. Mm-hmm. And they're giving up the rest. I mean, I, we go down the list. Things they're, they're, they're giving the rest of the world to whoever wants it. They're uh, just just creating a model of of, of, of for tournaments that's just not sustainable. Uh, I think they have to know that in terms of the purse. Yeah, where's the money uh, size? The Nobody's money. asking who who's paying. That? Have the sponsors who are currently with the PGA Tour been asked? Well, would you like to step up for one of these designated events? It's going to cost you about thirty million instead of ten. Yeah. Yeah, and then where what what does that money not go to? The build out of the mm-hmm. tournament, the the charity, uh, all the other things. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your question, I think, yeah, live, if they're smart, they go, oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll adhere to these rules because, uh, we're a legitimate competition and we want to be seen as legitimate. And, uh, I do, you know, that's why I asked the uh, question at the U S open last year, Mike Juan, um, about world ranking points and playing by, uh, the rules of golf. It will be really interesting to see if they consider, uh, for world ranking points that you have to uh, uh, incorporate this model local rule. I've always felt like that's going to be something where we're going to have a showdown because um, wouldn't you say there's a, if they believe this is the right thing for skill, well, the tournament doesn't use this. Shouldn't that be almost seen as a tournament that's not entirely playing the game at at the highest level, the way they envisions so and that's why the pga tour having a position that's anything beyond a meritocracy uh, a true skill-based tour uh is just astounding to me right now that's their that's their greatest strength against live both on the rankings and in their credibility with fans betters uh television the greater sports world and they keep kind of chipping away at it. And it just blows my mind that they're not getting that, even though they're the ones who were, who were lecturing us about that not long ago. But if you live, you cannot surely give up the opportunity to be golf but longer, can you? Maybe, but Greg Norman was pretty consistent over the years in his views on this topic. So His, uh, his son he wasn't. Would- Hey, no, his son wasn't. Yeah, Greg Jr. came out this week and said it's absolutely ridiculous trying to restrict the the ball. Yeah, well, dad, that, dad was very consistent over the years. So if he if he jettisons his position, that would be um, that would be interesting. Matt, Matt so Mollica pointed that out to Greg Jr. with a nice slab quote from Greg talking about what yeah, all needs to be rolled back, and just said, yeah. you know, that was just in twenty twenty. Sorry, Clates. 
Yeah. Is Greg still with Liv? Or there's a, yes, there's a seems of a conspiracy theory around that he'd taken Liv off his Twitter handle and wasn't with them anymore. So, oh, James, I haven't seen that. No. Don't go looking for it. James Corrigan is on site. Mm. He wasn't part of the promotional video with the pre-party and everything in this week's edition of that. Okay. Uh, and it does look like they might have taken off his Twitter. But James Corrigan, who has been by far the best voice in this whole Liv coverage yep. caper, uh, just tweeted out and said he's here. Uh, he was at the pre-party. He's okay. he's on he's on site at the tournament. So yeah, but it was a uh, bit of bit of head, bit of bit of clickbait. I think Clates. Um, oh, I can't I okay. can't pull up as far. I forgot I'm blocked, so I can't see. Okay, well, you're blocked by, I, I you're blocked by the so. shark. You're I blocked know. by the shark. I How know. did that happen? Hard to believe. Yeah, I'm to turn down a customer. Hey, I think it was back to the old days with the blog and the, you know, when he kept posting the photos and the, the one with the uh, seagull shit all over his face and, you know, having fun with all that. I think that was, oh, that was plaster. I'm sorry. I forgot. There's a, oh, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's a highlight reel in there somewhere, isn't there? But uh, so anyway, I, uh, that's uh, interesting. I think he's, they're trying to have him keep a lower profile this year. He's certainly doing fewer interviews, but um but I think that's an interesting component in this, and it, it really shows you where 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 Jay's leadership just positively sucks for the tour. He's just terrible, uh, not getting these kinds of things. And and uh, you guys saw the, the 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 just horrible mistake they made on on the no cut. Oh, the no cut wins by oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean, it wasn't even close, was it? Not even close. Not even close. And and it's you know, it's it's that combination of getting rid of people who have institutional knowledge. It's making it up as they go. Everything's just you know, they probably assigned somebody the night before from the staff to figure this out, and they don't know that newspapers used to only list a certain amount of names, but somebody should have caught that. Yeah. that well, two they, of those they, were PGA championships. Exactly. <laughs> a no cut PGA championship. Who in yeah. golf would even? ever think that that's a possibility it's an yeah, absurd not good not good and yeah. so yeah and then rory i mean we lawrence and i discussed this i mean i can only imagine how angry he'll be if he if he hasn't already been told how wrong those numbers were that he was given so uh so they're just bungling this this and it's an intangible there's no question there's no way to measure the the health and 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 the seriousness with which people take your tour based on the way you you adhere to certain rules but we just know in sports that there's a that, that you if you don't stick to certain values people view you as an exhibition or a freak yeah. show and and they're just they're just they just want to keep chipping away at that you know stuff and then they can't even play a damn round and i mean a twosome's <laughs> taking almost 5 hours the, the you know, they just can't even get around a golf course in a decent amount of time because nobody wants to tell these precious ones that uh you have 40 seconds to yeah. hit a shot get on with it and and that's going to be really i don't know you guys how much you've seen it but we we've got baseball's got big changes this year with the pitch clock and some some serious rules and it's really speeding up the games and so far no signs that it's put stress on the pitchers uh which was a concern you know maybe rushing and injuries and oh my gosh the difference is just sensational it's just sensational. And that's just spring training. Uh, and when the public sees that and then, you you know, golf just getting slower and slower, 
Got, and aggressively so. issue the, for him. And the aggressive defense of Hauslow's. We're playing for millions out here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you get on with it? I go to work every day. I've got to be there for eight hours. If I could get through it quicker, I would. <laughs> I got to clock yeah. in on time. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Uh, uh, last uh, thing, I know I've asked amazing. this. I know I've asked this before, Shaq, and I'm embarrassed to keep coming back to this. But can you see us having ended up here if Fincham had still been in charge? I never thought I'd pine for the days of Tim Fincham, but I just cannot see any of this developing had he still been in charge of the PGA Tour. Yeah, no, I do sense that he had a better ability to think a little bit more down the road. He, I think he understood um, he understood that intangible we just discussed, and yep. it's probably part of the reason he just hated the idea of giving slow play penalties more from a, an image perspective than the actual way the mm-hmm. tournament carry, was carried out. But I think you're, I think you're correct. He, he had an ability. He had a scare factor. He, he intimidated players. Um, they were afraid of him and they're not afraid of Jay and they just run right over him now. It's clear. And he's making great money. So you can't blame him for just going, okay, well, that's what you guys want. And that's what keeps you here. We'll do it. And then that just sets a tone to the rest of the organization from whether it's a policy or not. If you're a rules <laughs> official or you're a media official or you're a volunteer or you're, you're running a tournament, you're scared to death of these guys. Well, if the commissioner's scared of them uh, and letting them do whatever they want, then you, uh, I better stay away from them. We'll never know. But do you, re- do you reckon in hindsight, Monaghan wishes he'd opened his door to Andy Gardner? A couple oh, of years God. Ago. I mean, that was the conversation we had with Joe Ogilvy. I mean, he just, he, uh, I was saying to Lawrence, he's like Jeff Ogilvy. Uh, he'll just leave you with one or he'll, he'll, he'll give you some great thoughts, but there's just always that one sentence. They, they both, it must be the Ogilvy thing. Yeah. They have that intangible ability in a very short sentence, uh, to, to make a point. And his, his, his comment was, you, you know, you just something to the effect of, and I'm going to butcher it, but of course it was, you just wonder what would have happened if he'd just taken a meeting. And I was like chance. you had to meet with the yeah. crown prince. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it was with Andy Gardner. <laughs> it was a very nice guy and smart guy. Yeah. Which begs the question I was just going to ask, how long before Joe Ogilvy's the commissioner of the tour? I don't think he'd take the job, would he? I think he's a he's too smart. Too he's smart. got a nice life in Austin. Why would he want to it's put a up point. all this Surely it's and a mop up challenge. this? And, oh. Seriously, there's, there's two decades of turmoil to come before this comes back out the other end, yeah. I think. There's at least 20 years. No matter what happens with Liv, whether it's still going in 20 years or whether it wraps up this year, the fallout from that is a full generation of the PGA Tour cycle before it settles into something resembling what we knew for most of our lives. Well, and we're just talking about the players and some ego stuff. Imagine the stuff going on behind the scenes with with networks going, hey, how, we're spending all this money yeah. and you're giving us a bunch of these non-designated events or you're a sponsor. Sponsor? I mean, that Shipnuck interview with uh, the tournament yeah. sponsor. Yeah. Whoa. I, I mean, haven't read it yet, I, but what did it say? Because that was about that, wasn't it? Where's Because uh, this is the question nobody's asked Monaghan. Where's the money coming from? Okay, we get. How is this sustainable? That was what the guy was saying. You, you've pulled it out of reserves for this year. What are you going to do next year and the year after? And the year after? You're yeah. not talking about small events. Eight designated events. Is they got to find another sixty million again next year? And why are you giving the rest of the world up? I mean, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you leaving the European tour out to dry and and letting them? I mean, I still won't <laughs> be shocked if they start conversations again. I, I, I well, just, if, they, yeah, if, a, if they lose the court case, the European tour. They've got no option but to go and talk to Liv, do they not? I think you're right. Yeah. No, yeah. They have to. They have to have at least have a chat. 
No, they don't have a choice. The players are no. going to be in the fields if they want to be. And it might not be the worst thing. It might be the thing that saves it. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. It might be the best possible outcome. Uh, maybe Pelly knew that from the start. I don't know. Who knows? Because, I mean, they're getting reamed on this strategic alliance. Yeah. Oh, no totally. how you look at it. It's I mean, one, totally. discussion, one discussion I had with a couple of players this week is the rest of the world, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, South America, Asia, Japan, and Europe, need to abandon the world rankings and create their own ranking system and create kind of one tour mm. where it might take you three years to, you know, the rankings to sort out, but you pick the 80 best players and you have 30 designated events where the best 80 players from around the world mm. play in those events. And they completely abandon the United States. We're going to create our own ranking system. We're going to rank our own players. We're going to join these tours together. And we're going to fight America. And, and we're going to create our own great world tour but the rest of the world's got to get together and get the best non-americans playing in at least 30 events a year that go around the world it might happen but but they've got to start by abandoning the world rankings because someone said yesterday scotty sheffler could have played the new zealand i think it was the new zealand open scotty sheffler played the new zealand open which was a 1.7 million dollar tournament and won the tournament he would have lost points so the, the, but the Australian on, no, but, players, are, I mean, they, okay. you, could win, you could win every tournament on the Australian tour. And, and it's and, not the same as winning one tournament in the US. And that's yeah, completely fair, is it not, though, Clates? In fairness, the, the field yeah, yeah, you're no, playing no. against in Australia doesn't come close to the field that missed the cut in the PGA Tour event. That. I, I agree, but you could, you could play every tournament in Australia and go literally nowhere on the board. You're not getting any point. You're doing nothing. Right. That's no. bigger, yeah. So, so, so all that. those foreign tours from South America, Canada, because because the, the Canadian Open had been so screwed by the PGA Tour for thirty years, ought to be on the Europe, ought to be on the European tour. If if you took those every worldwide tour and combined them into one tour, ranked the players, got had thirty big events where all the best Japanese, Europeans, Australians, South, South Americans, South Africans played in 30, 30 big events, you could create a, a, a great tour outside of America. Because that the, 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 these players are going nowhere on the world rankings now. They've got no chance to get in anything. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're not playing for any points. No, I, I get that. But you know what the logistical and the financial difficulties are. Thompson tried to do it for years and years and years, and he was a five-time Open champion. And he couldn't get it off the ground. Well, you well, also, but, uh, but, but uh, I accept the players now. The all all those all the players now see how they're completely getting screwed by the world rankings. So it's like, well, let's yeah. go and create our own rankings. Let's forget about America. Let's create our own tour. And someone needs to sell them the wisdom of let's create a viable one viable tour in opposition, for want of a better word, to the PGA Tour in America. Or well, certainly as an certainly as an alternate tour. The, but I the way the they're dang- going, they're all dying now. I, I know you're right. Yeah. But I, the danger you've got is that and they'll all say it till they get to a point where it's like, Oh, I've got a chance to go play the US tour now. And then they bail on the noble idea of the rest of the world tour, as they all did on Europe, and go straight to the PGA Tour where the money is easier and the golf is easier, the lifestyle is easier, everything's easier. Well, They're yeah, the dangers. Well, well, except not every Japanese player or European right. player, especially wants, from, wants to go and live in America. Not every no. Australian, believe it, wants to go and live in, no. in, 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 in the I get that, but United it's States. A, it's a fabulous Southern. idea, and it sounds wonderful. I, I can just see barrier after barrier after barrier, but I would love to see well, it. Well, but I think in the next 20 years, they're going to be forced into it. Yeah. Well, you could bring it up at the next tournament director's meeting. That's well, right. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's an executive level. You're, you're, in the, you're in the C-suite. You know, you can uh, – Perhaps a Sandbell invitation will become the first world tour event. 
with a sandbelt invitation is on go. on the right track. Well, wow. well, that's a note to finish on. That's been uh, <laughs> fan- fantastic. Plenty to chew on there. Anyone who's lasted this long has now got another day or two of chewing on that to consider. Yeah. We might flesh it out in another episode. Right. Clay's fabulous to have you aboard. Best of luck this weekend with Elvis, mate. Thanks, Rod. And Shaq, been great to have you aboard as well. And whatever you're doing this weekend, best of luck with that as you. As Thank well. you, Rod. And that's it for episode. He had it here. What did I say? 126? 126. 126. Just on about 10 a year we're getting out. Not too bad, is it? Not quite monthly, and that's okay. Uh, 126 done and dusted. We'll be back next time here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.